0: Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.grenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to Grace Pod and we're on top of Mount Sinai, but Andrew, do you want to remind us how we got here?
0: So last time we were looking at the Passover, which was the act of judgment by which um, God... Um, toppled pharaoh and pharaoh said get lost you can and he drove them out and now they've started traveling out of egypt across the red sea and the purpose of the rescue was always so that they would come out and worship god on the mountain and we've arrived at the mountain
1: that was a repeated cry, wasn't it let my people go so that they may serve me or so they may worship me um, and God said to F- Moses, right at the beginning of Exodus, this will be a sign that I've brought you out of Egypt. You'll worship God on this mountain. So here we are on this mountain.
0: And it's um, uh, we're going to look at um, uh, quite a scary episode. But before the scary episode, um, there's an introduction where God explains what he's doing and uh, the covenant that he's uh, he's making with his people. Um, and it's got a, a conditionality to it. Do you want to just um, introduce... What's
1: uh, perhaps a surprise to us here? Well, I think we'll have to think quite hard just focusing in on chapter 19, verse four and five. So shall I read them? And then we'll think about what they're, the two different things they're saying at the same time. Sure. So you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So there's two things here. The first one, verse four, is it's a reminder of where we got to. And the fact that they didn't get to Mount Sinai by obedience. It wasn't that they were really amazing, um, you know, worshippers in Egypt. They couldn't worship at all in Egypt. That was the whole problem. And it wasn't that they kept all of God's commandments because they didn't know all of God's commandments. But um, God rescued them at his initiative by grace And it's described here as rescued by eagle, even though it wasn't actually literally by eagle. But that's a great metaphor for you travelled in style. You know, it's even better than club classes, eagle class. And God brought you here and God rescued you. So, you know, it's really important that we say that at the beginning of a grace pod on the Ten Commandments. This isn't ten things that you have to do in order for God to be impressed enough to be your God. It's ten things you do in response to God is your rescuer and by grace he saved you. Somebody
0: was... um preaching on this a while back and he was saying uh, when he got married uh, one of the first things that had to change in his life was no cutting of oranges in the house because his wife just couldn't tolerate it <laughs> um, And um, it's, Was she
1: allergic or she just hated I th- oranges? I don't think
0: it was an allergy but it's been a very strict rule and um, he was saying that's the sort of framework here it's that there's a marriage but if you're going to live with this kind of God it's not no oranges but it's going to be uh, no going off with other gods that sort of thing so, so it's a It is um, significant and it's a a real obedience, uh, but it's not, it didn't earn him the marriage. It was just um, an implication of being married.
1: Now we ought to know this just by reading Exodus in order, I guess, because we get 19 chapters of, 18 chapters of rescue and then law. And this point about order actually is something that the New Testament makes as well. So in Galatians, um, Paul says it was 430 years later that the law came after the promise and there's a similar argument in Romans chapter 4 about order. So rescue first, obedience later. And even in, even the Ten Commandments themselves, there's a little intro that reinforces this. So I think, sometimes think it's un, unfortunate when old churches have the Ten Commandments um, listed at the front of church or engraved into the stone of the church, but they miss out the first two verses often.
0: Shall I give you the intro? So this is chapter 20, verse 1. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So before you get to the first command, um, God makes sure that we get the
1: context. Because you're a rescued people, therefore now obey. So... Okay, this is a point where we're sort of hammering this, but I guess it is really, really very important. And if you're listening to Grace Pod and you think my obedience is the key to God's acceptance of me, it's really not. This is you need God's grace and His undeserved rescue when you are far from Him. But having said that, we then get stumped and we get to the next verse, verse five. So I brought you on eagle's wings, verse four, verse five. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant. So it sounds like there's some condition placed on the people, something they have to do. We just said it's 100% what God's done, nothing of what they've done. And then in the next verse we discover, but there is something they must do. How do we fit these two together theologically?
0: Well, it is a a wonderful uh, vocation, calling that they're given. So um, if they're an obedient covenant-keeping people, out of all the nations of the earth, they're going to be the the pipes for God's blessing to all the others. Um, they will be um, the kingdom of priests and holy nation. They will mediate between God and all the other nations and he'll, they'll be specially belonging to him. So it's a wonderful, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a burden that's placed on them. It's, it's being, they're just being told, this, this is what's held out for you um, as covenant keepers.
1: But what about this if? I'm going to play devil's advocate, even though I know we both have the same view of this, but let me press you, Andrew. It's, it sounds like, they only get this if they do something, but I thought we just said it's about what God did
0: it is and it's not it's not holding out an impossible requirement um they' they're just being called to be um, covenant keepers um, if you keep my covenant, and the covenant doesn't um expect 100 percent obedience there are actually provisions for sin so it's expecting us to be imperfect and to mm. take sacrifices and to find forgiveness but to be overall it's like a marriage you know we make mistakes but to be overall faithful
1: to the marriage and the point is if you break the covenant as they will tragically this isn't saying i didn't do enough to earn it it's sort of saying i despise what god has done for me so it's actually a rejection of the rescue and they're throwing it back in God's face. So um, in that sense, the condition isn't, this is what you must do to merit it. But this is what you do as evidence that you've trusted what I've done. So God does everything. We, We receive it by faith. But the faith that receives what God's done must show itself in obedience. And if on the yeah, you know, I'd make it really, really obvious. Someone says I'm a Christian, but I actually prefer to worship Vishnu now, and I go to the Hindu temple. And but I am a Christian, you know. I I believe that Jesus died for my sins, but now I express my worship in um, visiting cult prostitutes when I'm on holiday and etc. And you go, you're not a Christian, and it's not. And they say, what you're saying? I have to earn my salvation? No, no. Jesus has saved you, but you're showing contempt for what he's done. That that's the sense in which covenant breaking. Um is a rejection of the rescue
0: and the new testament assumes the same grid as well so the new testament is very clear again it's, it's salvation is by by faith and yet it's just expected that um the one who trusts jesus will obey him Um if you obey me if you love me you'll obey my commands jesus says
1: hmm. and even this whole um requirement that if you don't then you are cut off that comes in the New Testament as well, doesn't it? And in the maybe in the least expected places. So think of the book of Galatians, which of all the books of the Bible is most emphasising we're justified by faith, not by our obedience to works of the law. But then even in Galatians, Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live in a immoral covenant breaking way persistently, it's not saying you mustn't ever sin as a Christian and then if you do, you're out. But if there's a pattern of, rejection of god's rule and his law it just ends up looking like you're not a christian and there's
0: quite a few motivators for our obedience in fact lots and lots of them related to increased intimacy with god increased fruitfulness etc and the one that's labored here is there really is a great privilege in being this kind of people who who mediates god's blessing to others and and i think we can harness that in our own lives and um, to motivate us to obedience ourselves,
1: we want to be the ones who can bless others. So basically, let's keep together these two things: God's grace, absolutely uh, the only uh, grounds of our salvation, and yet the necessity of faithful obedience or faith that proves itself in obedience. Um, verse four and verse five. Okay, well, let, let's. That's the sort of intro in the chapter, and then we come to Mount Sinai and we discover it's very frightening. And actually, about as frightening as possible. I mean, if you were to think of, I I always imagine God's making the movie and he decides, you know, what what lighting shall I have? And he goes, uh, how about darkness? Yeah, because that's the most frightening lightning. And what should we look for for the film score? Um, Maybe a string quartet, God says no, a trumpet, please. Um, Getting louder and louder, because that's the most frightening musical accompaniment. And what special effects should we have? Uh, All of them. You know, lightning, earthquakes, um, the whole thing, uh, uh, smoke. Yeah, it's just God's thrown everything at this to make it pretty much the most frightening moment of the Bible so far.
0: And some of the instructions um, heighten the, the fear even more. So we, we get in verses 12 to 13, um, set limits around the mountain, um, don't go near the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. But here's the thing, no hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, where the beast or man he shall not live. So it's very important that people obey this and, and don't um, test God and run up the mountain. But if someone does, you can't even run, run out and get them because you would be endangered. You have to get them with an arrow or something like that because it's, even the security guards have to be careful. This
1: idea that you have to kill them preemptively Um, before God does it's quite hard to understand at first sight isn't it so if they touch the mountain you shoot them with an arrow because otherwise they might be killed I mean like you say kill them lest they be killed but I think it gets clearer when you read on in the book of Numbers and when the whole camp of Israel dishonors God his wrath breaks out against everyone so that's I think that's the danger I guess that one person by dishonoring the presence of the Lord could endanger the entire population hence kill them preemptively it's a bit like what happens in numbers 25 with um zimri and Phinehas. yeah
0: yeah and and the um you get it repeated again and again so having um made all these instructions and then three more times i, th- I think this is 21 to 24 god just says "Let let me just remind you that i might if you don't do this, I might break out against mm. you, uh, lest he break out against them, um, lest uh, they break through to the Lord and many of them perish. And, and the Lord is is saying, look, it, it, as, as just as surely as night follows day, if you come close, you will regret it. And he, he wants, it's because he loves them, he doesn't want them to get it wrong, and he keeps underlining, this is a fearful thing.
1: Now, this is quite a strange climax, because we've said... They're rescued for this. This is the the moment you know you got out of slavery, to be in a super super risky encounter with God where you might die. You think, oh, thanks. <laughs> now, so how are we to understand the glory of something that is so frightening, so that it's actually good as well as frightening?
0: Well, we we didn't mention this yet, but structurally there's a sandwich going on with bread, jam, bread in this chapter, and the, the Ten Commandments is the jam, um, and this terrifying prospect is the first bread, but the the bread on the other side is at the end of chapter 20. And it's when we go there that it explains what God is doing and why this is so important that it's a frightening event. So shall I pick up um, chapter 20 um, verse 18 and you'll hear some of the same echoes. Mm. Um, When all the people saw the thunder, the flashes of lightning, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. So all of that has been, in the other side uh, of the bread uh, and they stood far off and said to Moses you speak to us we'll listen but do not let god speak to us lest we die and then Moses says to the people do not fear so they're not to fear for god has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin and i think that's the the key phrase it's a very puzzling phrase when you first read it because it says don't fear because you should fear so do you want to just unpick those two kind of uh, paradoxical um, seemingly paradoxical statements <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah.
1: I love this grace we just handing Slightly over to each other the difficult yeah just, just slam something back towards the other <laughs>
0: your opponent when it gets and tricky and it's an ace
1: no, Um, I, I mean it does reflect I think in the rest of the Bible there's two fears aren't there so there's the there's the perfect love casts out fear kind so there's a a Christian you don't have to be in dread of God he's not your enemy he's not out to get you but fear of the Lord in the Bible in general is a very positive thing if it means you deeply respect God in a way that has your knees knocking when you think about meeting him so I mean my favorite place they come together is in Psalm 2 where at the end of the Psalm you know, Jesus has been crowned as the king and all the nations are his inheritance and he's armed with an iron rod to dash apart his enemies like pottery and then at the end of the psalm it says serve the lord with fear rejoice with trembling and i love that phrase because there is a kind of trembling that you can combine with being very very happy but it's sort of you're very very happy and you're very very respectful at the same time and that's exactly the right response to the lord or you and you think of it elsewhere in, in the bible you know when i've just been looking last week at um to samuel and when um, Uzzah reached out his hand to the Ark of the Covenant, because instead of carrying it respectably respectively on poles like they're meant to, they just load it onto an ox cart because it's easier. And God's being dishonoured by this. And then it's about to slip off the ox cart and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady it and dies. And the place is called Perez Uzzah. The Lord broke forth against Uzzah. And David's like, very upset. But then David starts worshipping the Lord in a way that is just as full of joy, but much more circumspect, like, whoa, you are a mighty, fearsome God. And you see the same in Acts when Ananias Ananias and Sapphira die for lying to the Holy Spirit and then great fear sees the church, but the church keeps growing. So just to combine, I love you, Lord, and I, I really take it very seriously that I'm meeting somebody so holy. It's just both and.
0: And I think that's the the big lesson of the pyrotechnics here at the mountain. Um, So God is deliberately doing this so that the fear of him may be before you so that they don't sin. So he's doing it so that they think it would be a terrible, terrible thing to dishonor this marriage Mm. and to forsake God and go after other gods. Um, But given that most of the time I won't be doing that, I'll be faithful, I'll be walking with God. That means, that's the first half of the verse, do not fear. So actually in the Christian life, mm. uh, I don't live a life of terror, but I do in the back of my mind think if I run away from God and abandon him, I, sh- I would rightly be, um, should be very afraid because it will be a terrible thing.
1: And the key to why you don't need to be afraid in some ways is mazes, right? Because they say in the previous verse, you speak to us, and we'll listen, don't let God speak to us lest we die. And what they're really saying is, Moses, we really need a go-between because God is just a bit too frightening. And we need you to stand between God and us, which I think is right. It's, it's anticipating Moses priesthood, about which more in the next episode, which, of course, anticipates Jesus' priesthood. So without a mediator, God would be more terrifying. But with, with one, we're safe so long as we trust him.
0: So if if there is a change between old and new, you're suggesting it's not fear replaced by not fear. How, how would
1: you characterize the transition? Because what, what does this mean for us as Christians? I just want to underline that because I think often people contrast old and new covenant as fear, not fear. And there's a couple of places in the New Testament where this passage is referenced. And they're both just as frightening. So... Hebrews 12 is is a key one. It's actually talking about Sinai. It says, you haven't come to Mount Sinai, boo, frightening, horrible mountain, but you've come to Mount Zion. Hooray, lovely mountain. But then when you read it closely, you find that Mount Zion is just as frightening as Mount um, Sinai. And in fact, the stakes are higher. So instead of um, God warning you from earth, he says, much less will we escape. If we reject him, he warned us from heaven. The stakes have gone up. And instead of just there being fire on the mountain, in Exodus and God himself is the fire in Hebrews. So yes, there's a contrast Mount Zion Mount Mount Zion Mount Zion, but it's not a contra- contrast from the frightening to the casual. It's a from the frightening to the raised stakes. And the other one's 1 Peter, you got that.
0: Uh, yes, so in in 1 Peter um we thinking about the um the call to obedience and fear. So um in chapter 1 um, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So he's he's talking now to new uh, covenant believers and he's saying um, there's lots of language about Sinai, you shall be holy for I am holy. And he's saying this is a point of continuity just as they had to um, be holy and fear God,
1: that's the same with you. And then he tries it in there, doesn't he? Even to the, you've just been ransomed by the blood of a lamb. So even the whole trajectory of Exodus from, saved by blood now fear the lord you get that same argument all the way through in one peter yeah so but i think i'm basically saying it just works the same in the new covenant except instead of mazes we have jesus as our mediator but god is just as terrifying but we can love him and be just as close to him because he's a god that loves us and has saved us but don't take him lightly Hey, I've just looked at the time, Andrew, and we have almost no time to talk about the actual 10 commandments themselves, which, I mean, in a way, it's impossible to do, isn't it? We we actually did, if you're a regular listener to Grace Pod, we did a 10-part series, which seems the right number of episodes, really, for 10, 10 words, uh, 10 episodes. So do listen to those. But I think Andy's got just a little couple of things to say by way of looking at the whole of the Ten Commandments in the round.
0: Yeah, so when you plug the Ten Commandments and you get them off the the wall of the church and actually put them in Exodus, one of the things that jumps out is um, Exodus has been all about, um, as we saw last time, God revealing I am the Lord and what kind of a God Yahweh is. And so it's no surprise that um, uh, when you read the commandments, for example, the second one, do not make for yourself a carved image, and then the reason they're not to serve them or bow down to them is because of something about God. God is revealing Himself as a jealous God, and uh, just as a jealous husband, He won't um, want His bride going after others. And so, or or the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? Well, because God rested on the seventh day. So a little bit mm. like you know, um, the, the the preacher he said, my wife doesn't like oranges, so I've got to change um the, the Christian, if they're going to walk with this God, uh, well, he's a jealous God, and therefore you'll just worship him alone. He's a rest-taking God, so you'll want to take a rest on this uh, one day of the week. Mm. And, and actually, if you use that grid, all of the uh, commandments are basically teaching points, revealing the kind of God mm. we worship. And we could go f- through each of them. You know, he's a he's a God who hates murder because he loves giving life. He's a God who hates stealing because he's generous. He's a uh, God he hates false witness because he speaks the truth he's a God hmm. he um, hates his people coveting because he, he provides and looks after them and so on so um, one and of he the missed, ways you missed that adultery I know you said it earlier uh, but, adultery and he yeah, hates adultery because he's faithful he's a faithful God um, and we could have done the same with yeah the third commandment etc so the, the um, one of the um, ways to read the ten commandments is just a, a, a meditation on, on the kind of God we worship and, and therefore the outbox would be if you're going to walk with him
1: you've got to walk like him we pretty much used up our time so if you're in the gym or you've got your 25 minute session and you need to stop then do but maybe we'll end just by reading the Ten Commandments because it doesn't hurt a Christian to hear them often often. so uh, here we go, let's re-alternate Andrew verses, God spoke all these words saying,
0: I am the Lord your God he brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery
1: you shall have no other gods before me For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain.
0: Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy.
1: Six days you should labour and do all of your work.
0: But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates.
1: For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy.
0: Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery.
1: You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's.
0: Thanks so much for joining us at Grace Pod. Uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening to GracePod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.